Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Hope. Welcome to all of you who are participating online. We like to begin with this greeting Christians have been using for a long, long time. The Lord be with you. Thank you. Uh, it's good to be gathered together here. It's good to be gathered together with all of you who are participating online. Uh, I can't wait until the day comes where we can all be in the room together again. But until then, I'm glad that we've got you know cameras and technology and all that good stuff. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's continue the prayer that we started with that song. God, that is the, uh, the attitude with which we want to approach you today. This, this humility that recognizes who you are and, and who we are where we stand in this whole thing. God, we can uh, walk through life sometimes so certain of ourselves, so self-assured. And then we walk into these moments where we come face to face with the holy living God, the one who rules over the universe and we realize just how small we really are. We realize just how messed up our priorities may have been. We realize that we've been doing some things and and not doing some things. Well, God, just our lives have not always reflected the, the life that you intended for us, the life that you had in mind when you, when you created us. So God, today we come to you humbly acknowledging our need of your mercy, of your grace, of your forgiveness. Help us, God, to have an honest view of ourselves that we don't think of ourselves more highly than we should and we don't think of ourselves more lowly than we should because, God, you have loved us. We are, we are messed up, yes, but you have loved us so much. You have valued us so highly that you sent your Son to live and die and rise again for us so that we might be saved, so that we might be rescued, so that we might be redeemed, so that we might be strengthened so that we might be a part of your work here in the world. Thank you, God. Thank you for this love you have for each and every one of us. I pray that you would help each of us to see ourselves the way you see us. To see ourselves, yes, as flawed, yes, as sinners in need of your grace, but to also see ourselves as sons and daughters loved by you, as people so valuable to you that you have gone far above and beyond anything we could imagine to embrace us, to redeem us, to restore us. Help us, God, as we picture you right now, the God of the universe, looking at us. As we see your face, God, we pray that you would help us to see not, not disappointment, not anger, not some of these things that we've imagined we might see. Not a God who's looking past us at someone more important. But God, help us to see that you are looking right at us right now with love in your eyes. So glad to be in relationship with me, with each one of us. Help us, God, to sense your embrace, to sense your compassion to sense the, the empowering work of your Holy Spirit flowing through us, helping us to have the, the energy, the strength, the wisdom to do in this world the work you have given us to do, to do justice, to love mercy, to walk humbly with you as you move in the world. 
thank you, God, for gathering us to this moment. Whether we're here in the room or whether we're participating from home, God, you have gotten us here. So now I pray you'd help us to give you our full attention so that you can have our minds, so you can have our hearts, so you can do your transforming work. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, the peace of the Lord be with you. Thank you. Thank you. Now, we can't walk around and shake hands, but uh, you could turn and give somebody a wave, wish somebody a happy Sunday. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hi. Get to see all the folks that have shown up now since you got here. Yeah. Oh, man. And peace, of course, to all of you who are watching from home. We're glad that you've gathered together here. Um, in way of announcements, I don't think I have a whole lot I need to say. Oh, other than a quick thank you again to Scott and his whole family for uh, leading us in worship today and these past few weeks. Uh, it is deeply appreciated. Um, we, are, uh, we are glad to be together. Oh, I do want to say, uh, in case anybody missed it that's participating from home, missed it in the little uh, uh, slides that were going before the service, we are going to celebrate communion together this morning. And so if you uh, need to go and find bread and juice or something uh, that you can use for communion uh, at the end of the service, um, Feel free to do that. Some of you are watching on your phones, and so you can just get up and take it with you to the kitchen and grab whatever you need. Uh, others of you, like, you need to find a way to do that at some point when this gets boring uh, or something. All right? Uh, so today we, uh, let's see. Okay, any other announcements I've got to I cover? I know Pastor Katie is with us this morning. Glad to have you here. And um, um, she's going to be doing a thing with the teens. Uh, is it teens and parents, or is it just teens? Just teenagers. No parents allowed. Okay. They're going to have a little socially distant uh, gathering, picnic, something uh, after this service. They're going to Ogden, Ogden Gardens. Is that right? Okay. I always say Ogden Dunes in my head instead of Ogden Gardens. They're going to the park, and uh, they're going to have a little picnic together. Uh, spread out, safe, all that good stuff. Uh, trying to find ways to get together during this time uh, of uh, global pandemic that we are still in. Um, uh, some of you are still continuing to give uh, online. We thank you for that. Uh, just a quick update on that. Um, the church is doing well, and I'm grateful for that. Um, we are so thankful for those of you who continue to give uh, during this time. I know some of you, that's a challenge because your financial situation uh, has changed. Uh, for some of you, you're finding yourself with a little extra uh, because of the way unemployment things work or whatever, and uh, you've been sharing that with others. Thank you for that. Others of you have just decided to dig a little deeper and to give a little more generously because you know there are folks that are in need. And so thank you to all of you who are continuing to give faithfully. Of course, if you're here with us uh, in person, you can drop that in the box back there, uh, or you can give online, just like all of us have been doing for these last several weeks. Um, I don't think I have anything else I've really got to do in, in way of announcements. Uh, this morning's message is going to go down the road of uh, the song that we sang earlier, uh, that, that middle song that Scott led us in, uh, that comes right out of uh, Micah, the prophet. Micah chapter 6, verse 8, um, where he says, you've shown us. Uh, oh, no, wait. I have shown you? How does that go? I left my notes back there. I should go get my notes. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, everybody. I forgot I didn't have the chance of, uh, of passing the peace to go wander around the room and to gather my things. I'm so, I'm, I'm in this weird in-between place where we're gathering in person but, uh, but not doing everything we usually do. There we go. Micah chapters, I'm going to have to move Scott's microphone too so I don't bash myself in the head. There we go. He has shown you, this is from the New International Version, he has shown you, O oh mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you to act justly and to love mercy, and to walk humbly 
with your God. Uh, the last time I preached uh, from this passage, specifically from this passage, uh, I was looking back. I keep a spreadsheet of all the different messages I've done and all that to try to make sure I'm not just saying the, my, my favorite things over and over again, but to make sure we're getting covering kind of the breadth of Scripture and all that God uh, has for us. And uh, so I was looking back. When did I talk about this last? It was 2016. Uh, it was summer of 2016. I was just about to begin. Uh, I had a sabbatical break that summer, which turned into, into a paternity leave because we had ended up uh, adopting our twin boys, David and Jonathan, just a couple months earlier. And, uh, or sorry, we hadn't adopted them yet. The adoption became official that summer. They were in our lives. We had our sons. And uh, they were just infants. And I was preached from that message. And that inspired us to then uh, um, get printed on some big thing of wood. It's a big thing hanging in their room that I forgot to take a picture of this morning before I left that has that verse on it. Um, that God wants us to, to, do just, to do justice, to love. Actually, we use a different translation. It says to love kindness and to walk humbly with our God. Um, that this is what God expects of us, and we want them to grow up knowing this is how we live. You know, we are people who, who do justice, who act justly, who love mercy or kindness, who walk humbly with God, who know our place in the world, that it's a good place. It's a good thing to be loved by God, uh, but it's also a very important thing for us to recognize that, that we're not God, that we're not it, that we have a place as his kids, as his creation, uh, that, we, that we live in this world in a, in a good way, uh, following God and following his example. We, we talked about that the last few weeks as we were looking at the fact that we are a Christian people, a holiness people, a missional people, that we are sent out. Just last week we are talking about how Jesus sends us to do the work that he did. As the Father sent me, so I am sending you. And Jesus showed up on the scene proclaiming uh, that, that he was here to do this, uh, to open the eyes of the blind, to proclaim the Lord's favor, to pronounce good news to the poor. Uh, we looked at that last week. You can watch last week's message if you want to for that. Uh, but what do these words mean to, to act justly? What is justice? I mean, justice is a word that's kind of on our lips or in our ears these days, especially with all the protests that are going on over the, un, uh, the, the terrible, uh, the unjust killings of some of our neighbors, especially those with black or brown skin. And uh, so what does the word justice mean for us? When, when the Bible talks about justice, what does it mean? You know, we, we've talked about how the most important things, right? Jesus said the most important commands in all of creation is to love God with all that you are. Love your neighbor as yourself. Well, what does loving your neighbor look like? They just said it, it, it looks like doing this. It looks like doing justice, loving mercy, walking humbly with your God. Uh, it looks like making the problems of others your problems, coming up close to them and recognizing, like, look, we are both made in the image of God here, uh, we, who knows what we might disagree about? Who knows what all of our differences might be? But you are loved by God just like I am loved by God. Your life matters just as much as my life matters. Your issues, your problems, the ways you have been treated that are not right, I can't just turn a blind eye to that. I need to come alongside and help justice, help do justice here in this circumstance. Uh, had you heard of that phrase before, restorative justice? Um, I, that's not always what we think of. When we think of justice, I think we always think like, you know, going to the court of law or something, and, uh, you know, justice gets handed down. Somebody's done something wrong, they stole money, they, you know, the, the bars slam around them, you know? Um, that's justice, I suppose. Um, but like they said, in the Bible, when they talk about doing justice, uh, doing mishpat, you know, <laughs> that, that Hebrew word, um, that, that's not just like, okay, lock up the offenders. This is God... Um, working to lift up the, the downtrodden, to, to help 
those who've been oppressed, to set those prisoners free. It kind of feels like the opposite of justice sometimes, of our conception of justice. We're thinking, lock up the, lock up the bad guys, and he's thinking, wait, 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 some people have been locked up for no fault of their own or unjustly. Let's, let's bring those people out. Let's set these people free. There's a couple of scriptures that talk about God doing this work. Uh, Jeremiah, uh, the prophet Jeremiah in, in chapter 9, um, he says, uh, Let the one who boasts boast about this, that they have the understanding to know me, that I am the Lord who exercises kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth, for in these I delight. He said, This is the work that I'm doing. This is who I am. You want to know me? I, I exercise kindness or mercy, justice, and righteousness. And again, that justice, that righteousness, this isn't just God like bringing the hammer down. Uh, instead, this is uh, Psalm 146. It's one of those that they, that they read for us. Uh, it says, He is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them. He remains faithful forever. He upholds the cause of the oppressed and gives food to the hungry. The Lord sets prisoners free. The Lord gives sight to the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow but he frustrates the ways of the wicked. The, um, this, the Bible over and over again talks about those who are vulnerable, those who are oppressed. Um, the folks at the Bible Project, they've got a whole like, series of podcasts where they kind of talk about the ideas as they're, as they're coming up with these videos. And you get to listen to them like, kind of thinking it through. It's fun. Uh, you should look it up. Um, uh, they talk about the, the quartet of the vulnerable in Scripture, uh, the fatherless, uh, the widows, the foreigners. Uh, the poor, uh, these, these people who don't have access to what they need to have access to to, to live the good life, um, that they're struggling, and that these are the folks that over and over again God shows, okay, justice means I'm going to go help these folks, these people who are in need, these people who are, are not have access to, to helping themselves uh, the way that you know, most folks do. Um, God goes out of his way to lift them up, to bring healing, to bring wholeness, to their lives. Um, and that's the work that he calls us to do as his people. Um, I did find it helpful, um, this, this quick little way of thinking about those two words, justice and righteousness. Um, they, um, righteousness, they describe as like the standard of right relationship between all people. So it's more than just being a good person, as they said. It has to do with like relationships and being in right relationship with, with God, with others, this standard of, of right relationship. This is righteousness. And justice, mishpat, this, this is the actions you do to create the standard of righteousness, of tzedakah. You don't have to learn the Hebrew words. That's why I'm trying not to use them. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the justice, these acts of justice or acts of mercy, these acts of kindness, these are things that you do in order to get to that place where everyone is living in right relationship with each other. Uh, there's another uh, scholar who said the righteous in Scripture are those who are willing to disadvantage themselves to the advantage of the community. The wicked, remember they talked about the wicked, the guilty, the red ribbon falling down around their shoulders? They are those who are willing to disadvantage the community to advantage themselves. Since this is all about relationship, all about loving our neighbors as ourselves, saying you want to be righteous in God's sight, that means you live in such a way that you are willing to be disadvantaged for the advantage of others. You're willing... Uh, to go without some things that you might otherwise enjoy because you know, you know what, I can give this away. I can, I can use my time, my energy, my resources to bless these other folks, to lift them up, to help them have some advantages that, that they haven't had, that I was uh, blessed to enjoy. 
And so I will be disadvantaged so that the rest of the community can be advantaged. The wicked are those who say, wait a minute, no, you got that backwards. This is look out for number one, right? I mean, this is, greed is good, right? Isn't that the world that we live in, this capitalist society that says look out for number one? Now, I'm, I'm a fan of, of liberty, capitalism, all that stuff because it allows people to, um, to excel, to, uh, um, to build wealth, all of that. That's a, I think, personally, I think that's a good thing if then you've got a good heart and you take that wealth and you turn around and help other people. If you are constantly looking for a way that you can push others down, disadvantage others for your own advantage, so you lobby to get some law passed that's going to help you and your friends or your business and it's going to hurt a whole bunch of other people, but, you know, you were able to convince some, you know, politician to put that into, into law or whatever. We see that happen, don't we? We see the rich and the powerful do things that, that disadvantage others while advantaging them, themselves. I'm just saying, if you want to be righteous, you're, you're willing to give up some of those, of your own rights, your own opportunities. You're willing to disadvantage yourself to advantage the community, to advantage those around you. I mean, that's exactly what Jesus did for all of us. Well, he didn't, he didn't, uh, as a Philippians chapter 2, talks about we ought to have the same attitude that Christ had, who didn't consider equality with God something to be clung to, but emptied himself, made himself nothing, took on the nature of a servant, becoming human, died even a criminal's death on the cross. For us, for you, for me. Because he did that, then God exalted him to the highest place and has declared Jesus righteous, this one that others would have said, oh, he was a failure. You know, that's, that's why the Romans executed him. He didn't have the power to... to to make good on his promise, to make good on this, this life, this kingdom of God life that, that he said he was ushering in. Uh, I guess that whole experiment failed. This whole loving others, putting others first, that's a, that, that just leads to your death. The powerful people will kill you if you do that. And God says, well, you think they get the final say? You think the powerful people get to decide how the story ends? No. God raises Jesus from the dead. He invites us to follow him down a path even of sacrifice because God says, look, I'm the one that gives life. And resurrection is going to happen for everyone who is, who is trusting and following me, who's continuing in the way of Jesus. So even if the rich and the powerful here in this world take your life, even if you end up disadvantaged here and now, if you spend yourself on behalf of the poor, the needy, the, the widows, the orphans, the foreigners, the, the poor, the quartet of the vulnerable, you spend yourself on behalf of them and God will lift you up. That's where God is at work. You're partnering with God in doing that. Now, I'm assuming that for those of us gathered here and watching, that most of us are trusting and following Jesus. Most of us want to be good people. Uh, in fact, those of you who are here in the room, you're like, you're like the, I don't know, I want to call you like the, the super elites or something. I mean, you're willing to risk uh, uh, infection and all the rest just to be in, in worship today. And um, I don't know. Is that right? I don't know. That, maybe that's not right. Okay. You guys value gathering together for worship. That's what I'm trying to say. All right? Where does that fit in God's scheme of things? Gathering together to worship him. I mean, obviously, I think God is glad when we worship him. He's glad when we sing to him, when we gather together and listen to his word, and when we celebrate uh, communion and remember the great gift he's given us in Jesus Christ. I think worship is a, an extremely valuable thing. I think God, I mean, there was a whole system of worship laid out in the Old Testament where people would sacrifice, would gather at the temple, and there were festivals and feasts and, and fasts and all kinds of things that God's people were to do to show their commitment to God. Um, what did God think of those things? Obviously, I think it's like, well, yeah, God like, likes that, right, when we worship him? Yeah, but there are things he likes even more, right? Um, this is from one of the prophets, uh, Zechariah. 
uh, chapter 7. Um, I just want to take a little bit of time to look at what Zechariah says in chapter 7 and what Micah says in chapter 6. We'll come back to the Micah 6, 6, 8 thing. Um, because as I was looking at these verses and then like looking at the context of them, I thought, oh, wow, that kind of connects with us. You know, I mean, we could just zero in on what Zechariah says in chapter 7, verse 8, where he says, The word of the Lord came again to Zechariah. This is what the Lord Almighty said. Administer true justice. Show mercy and compassion to one another. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the foreigner or the poor. Do not plot evil against each other. I mean, like, I could just say that and say, yes, so we need to do that, right? But then I kind of backed up a little bit, and I looked at the verses leading into that, and the verses following that, and I thought, oh, oh, this was written. Zechariah was one writing after, like, the exile. Um, to people who the, the, they had been conquered, they had been hauled off to Babylon, and now the people were starting to come back, and the land was ruined, and they're trying to figure out, how did, this, how did we get in this giant mess? You know, what, did we, what happened to us? Where did this all go wrong? You know, this wasn't a time where they were looking around and thought, everything's just peaceful, everything's good. No, they were looking around and seeing, like, you know, well, I don't know, they were having riots and, and you know, protests, but they were, they were looking around and things weren't right. How did this happen? And they're like, do we keep doing the religious stuff that we've been doing before? And they're, they're, they're coming to um, the religious leader saying, should I continue to mourn and fast in the fifth month as I've done for so many years? Should we keep on doing the fasts and the feasts and all the religious stuff? And Zechariah in, in chapter 7 verse 4 says, then the word of the Lord Almighty came to me. Ask all the people of the land and the priests, when you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh month for the past 70 years, during the time you were in exile, was it really for me that you fasted? And when you were eating and drinking, were you not just feasting for yourselves? Are these not the words the Lord proclaimed through the earlier prophets when Jerusalem and its surrounding towns were at rest and prosperous and the Negev and the western foothills were settled? When things were good, you know, were you doing this for me? Were you, were you showing up at church for me? Were you, were you doing your religious duties for me? Or weren't you just doing this for yourselves, just to make yourself feel better? Just because, well, this is what we do. I feel, I feel like I'm, I'm supposed to do this. And that's when he says, the word of the Lord came. This is what the Lord Almighty said. Administer true justice. Show mercy and compassion to one another. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the foreigner or the poor. Do not plot evil against each other. Now, the fact that God's having to tell them this means that they weren't doing that, right? <laughs> I, don't, I don't tell my kids, hey, don't hit your brother when he's not hitting his brother, right? I mean, I, I tell them that because he's pounding on his brother. I'm like, hey, 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 stop it, you know. And so I'm, I've got that in my head as I'm, as I'm reading this. Where he's saying, look, guys, administer true justice. Quit, quit doing what you've been doing. You've been kicking other people down and making yourself feel better. True justice here. Show mercy and compassion. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless. They, they had been. They'd been setting up systems where the widows, the fatherless, the orphans, the foreigners, the poor, where they had been disadvantaged, where they couldn't access, they couldn't do the things, they couldn't jump. They were setting up hoops that they could jump through, but the other folks couldn't. You know, you want the resources, you want what's good, okay, you can, you got to jump through these hoops. Oh, you guys can't do it, sorry, it's an equal playing field, right? I mean, everybody's got to jump through these hoops if they want to get this, and sorry, you're just not willing to. Setting up a system where they can win and others can't, he's like, cut that out. Quit oppressing these folks. Do not plot evil against each other. And then the verses that follow. But they refused to pay attention. Stubbornly, they turned their backs and covered their ears. I've seen that happen too, my boys, Okay. They made their hearts as hard as flint and would not listen to the law or to the words that the Lord Almighty had sent by his spirit through the earlier prophets. So the Lord Almighty was very angry. When I called, they did not listen. So when they called, I would not listen, says the Lord Almighty. That sounds a little petty, to be honest with you. 
But God, and so then he says, I scattered them with a whirlwind among all the nations where they were strangers. The land they left behind them was so desolate, no one traveled through it. That is how they made the pleasant land desolate. That is how the land that God had given you that was flowing with milk and honey, that was such a good land that he brought you out of slavery in Egypt to come and to settle and to, and to have as a gift, that was how you ruined it. God was speaking. He was, you were living life in a way that didn't mesh with what God created you for, right? You were oppressing people. You were hurting others. Instead of lifting up the vulnerable, you were pushing them down. And God told you to stop, and you didn't. You stuck your fingers in your ears and said, I, I can't hear you, la, 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 la. And God says, oh, you don't want to communicate? You don't want to listen when I'm calling out to you, trying to get you to change your path? Okay, well, when you call, I'm not going to answer then. If that's how you want this relationship to go, all right, suffer the consequences of that. And they did. I read that and I think, man, I don't want to get to that kind of place. I don't want to get to the kind of place where God turns to me and says, oh, you don't want to listen to me? So I shouldn't listen to you when you call on me, when you come to me for help? And this is a relationship here. I don't want to get to the place where God says, all right, if that's how you want it. I want to live in, a, in such a way that when I'm in need, I turn to God and God's like, oh, yes, yes, let's go. You know, where, where this is a good relationship, where the relationship is open, where it's right. Where I'm listening to God and, and God is listening to me. And so when God points out things that are wrong in my life, in my society, in which I am a part, when these things are right in front of my face and I can't miss it and I have to pay attention like, is this really true? Is this really how things work in our society? Have I really been given advantages that other people have not, and I just haven't cared? And I've done nothing to, to do justice, to, to level this playing field, to, to, to lift up my neighbors, to love my neighbors like I want to be loved? Maybe I need to pay attention. Maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe all my fasting and feasting, all my religious duties are just that. Maybe it's just stuff I'm doing for me. If it's not connecting me to the heart of God, if it's not helping me to pay attention to God, if it's not helping me to love my neighbors better. So to turn to Micah chapter 6, this again is where God has uh, got a beef with his people. Uh, he says, if you go to the beginning of Micah chapter 6, says, listen to what the Lord says. Stand up, plead my case before the mountains. Let the hills hear what you have to say. Hear you mountains. He's calling them to witness. This is something that happens in the prophets from time to time. They call upon them, the mountains to witness um, like you're in a courtroom. It says, Hear you mountains, the Lord's accusation. Listen, you everlasting foundations of the earth, for the Lord has a case against his people. He's lodging a charge against Israel. My people, what have I done to you? How have I burdened you? Answer me. I brought you up out of Egypt and redeemed you from the land of slavery. I sent Moses to lead you, and also Aaron and Miriam, my people. Remember what Balak, king of Moab, plotted, and what Balaam, son of Beor, answered. Remember your journey from Shittim to Gilgal, that you may know the righteous acts of the Lord. He's like, have I, have I burdened you? How have I burdened you? Like, what did I do to make you feel like this was a burden, this relationship? What, I rescued you from slavery? That was a bad thing? You know, I, I brought you into this, this amazing land, uh, give, gave you leaders to lead you? 
that whole like Balak, king of Moab, and Balaam, son of Beor, this is, a, this is an episode in, in their history where a, a king of one of their neighbors calls a prophet Balaam to like, hey, curse Israel, would you? And Balaam says, look, I can only say what God tells me to say. And he refuses to curse Israel because they've been blessed by God. It's this reminder. You have been blessed. In the eyes of your neighbors, you have been blessed. Remember your journey from Shittim to Gilgal. That was where they started and where they ended when they crossed the Jordan River and entered into the land where God repeated the miracle of stopping the waters and letting them cross on dry ground just like he'd done when he rescued them from slavery in Egypt. He does it again when they cross this, this Jordan River. And they built a little monument there at Gilgal to commemorate God doing this. Says, you remember all these things that you may know the righteous acts of the Lord, that you may know that God is committed to you as his people, that that's what this righteous, this right relationship should look like. Where God is blessing you and being good to you. That's what God has done. Now what are you doing? <laughs> so in verse 6 he says, With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Will, uh, shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He's like just kind of escalating until he's like to the point of ridiculousness. Is this what God wants? Is God demanding greater sacrifices? Is God demanding me to give and to give until I've got nothing left to give? And that's when he comes to verse 8. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. It's like, that's all he wants. <laughs> it's all he's asking that you would love your neighbor as yourself. That you would do, that you would act justly, love mercy or kindness. That you wouldn't live life for yourself and then turn around and say, you know, please God, please God, thank you God. No, like, like let that, let your relationship with God transform you. Remember what God has done for you so that then you can turn around and do that for others. God who took you from slavery to freedom. God who set you free from whatever sin had, had gotten its claws on you, had, had bound you up in chains. This God that has set you free. Remember what God has done for you, how gracious, how good, how kind he has been, so that you can turn around and, and do that for others. Attack justly, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. I'm worried sometimes that the, well, I want to say the church in America or something, whatever that means, this, this, uh, that that. Let's just make it down to me, all right? I worry sometimes that maybe I can go through the motions, the religious motions, say the right words, post the right things on Facebook, put the right stickers on my car, you know, that I can do all those right things but still have a heart that's disconnected from the God who made me, the God who, who loves me, the God who is out there actively doing justice and righteousness, who is lifting up the, the hungry, the prisoners, the blind, the bowed down, the foreigner, the fatherless, the widow. Am I doing the work of God in the world? Am I partnered with him? Am I walking humbly with him as God does what he does? Or when God is out there working, am I nowhere to be found? Am I somewhere else just caring about me and mine? That's what's floating through my head this week. Now, um, this is not just a message today, never. If we're looking at scripture, if we're being true to scripture, it's never a message that just says, okay, so get out there and work harder, all right? Just get out there and do this, would you? It's always, every, if we're looking at scripture, the message is always, man, God has been good. God has been patient. God has been gracious. 
And even as we go out, even if we find ourselves convicted, even if we find ourselves saying, man, God, I need to make some changes, that's God graciously working in our hearts and lives. That's God who is his Holy Spirit is saying to us, look, I want to make some changes. I want to help transform the way you've been thinking. I want to, I want to change the way you've been interacting with the people around you, the, the things that you care about, the people you care about, the people whose lives you, you touch and lift up. And this is all God's grace. We walk humbly with our God. And part of that means humbly acknowledging our need of his help. Uh, James in chapter 4, verses 6 to 10 says, And he gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you've done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. And look, there's a time to just be honest and say, look, we have not done this well. We have not done this right. There's a time for repentance. And for for us, maybe that time is now to say, okay, I need to humble myself before you, God. I need your grace. I need your forgiveness. I need you to help me to live differently. As we sang earlier, give us clean hands. image that he picks up on right here or Ephesians chapter 2 verses 4 4 5 6 and 7 but because of his great love for us God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions it's by grace you've been saved and God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus God has been good God has been kind, kinder than we deserve. God has been gracious, and he's able to use our lives as examples of that. None of us are following Jesus because we were good enough to get, earn a spot on the team. Uh, all of us who are following Jesus, it's only because God in his grace and mercy said, yeah, I can, I can fix that. I, I can restore that. Oh, man, your life is a mess, but you know what? There's, there's potential there. I can work with that. We give ourselves to him. We humbly acknowledge our need of his grace and his help. And he redeems us, restores us, and makes us able to be used by him to to do his work in the world, to do justice, love mercy, as we walk humbly with him. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. God, thank you for being merciful to us. Thank you for being gracious. Thank you for being good. Would you help us today to humbly acknowledge our need of you, of your grace, of your help, God, you know there there are things that uh, are going on right now in our society, ways that we are being aware, that uh, being made aware if we hadn't been already, that some of our neighbors, some of our family, some of our Christian brothers and sisters are being treated in ways that are just unjust, as if their lives don't matter. Would you help us, God, not not to be distant But in those moments, while you are going to do justice, would you help us to be found there alongside you, allowing you to work through us? Would you help us, God, to be able to imagine a world in which we lift each other up instead of putting each other down? Would you help us, God, to truly listen, to not put our fingers in our ears, 
to not turn our backs to you, but to listen to you speaking to us. Sometimes, God, your Holy Spirit speaking to us through the words of our neighbors, people we've not paid attention to. And now as we are beginning to, God, we hear your voice speaking. Would you help us, God? Thank you that out of love for us, your great mercy and your great grace, you didn't leave us stuck in the mess of our selfishness, stubbornness, and sin. But you sent your son Jesus to come close to us, to enter into our broken, sinful humanity, to shine your light in our darkness, to bring your life where we had caused death, to set us free. Thank you, God, for the love you have shown us in Jesus Christ. And today we give you thanks that you give us an opportunity to celebrate that in a way that is, is tangible, is touchable, in a way that we can actually taste on our tongues the love that you have given to us. It's not just some theoretical thing, but God, you meet us right here in the reality, in the world in which we live. So God, today we offer to you these gifts of bread and juice. And we pray that by your Spirit's presence here, we might meet our risen Savior in his body and in his blood, remembering the great price that was paid to redeem and restore us. God, we offer you ourselves and pray that by your Spirit's work within us, we might be forgiven, redeemed, restored, renewed, you wash our sins away, God, and you do justice for us. You lift us up. Thank you, God, for your grace and your mercy that you show us in Jesus Christ. Thank you for transforming our hearts and lives by your Holy Spirit. Thank you for this marvelous love. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, would you pray with me the prayer Jesus taught us to pray? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Uh, we're going to go ahead and celebrate communion together. Um, I look forward again to the day that we can do this while we sing and coming forward and all the rest. But uh, right now, to keep us all a little bit uh, more isolated from the germs, if you're in the seats, there should be some uh, there at your seats. If you're on the tables, there's some there on the table. Uh, feel free, if you pull the top one back, you'll find that little wafer of bread. And we're reminded on the night that Jesus was betrayed uh, as he was celebrating the Passover and uh, remembering God's great acts of justice and righteousness that he had done for his people and setting them free from slavery in Egypt. Uh, he took that bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat. Let's eat. Likewise, he 
He took the cup. Whew, see if I can open it without making a mess. He gave it to his disciples. He said, this is my blood poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. This seals the new agreement between God and humanity. Let's remember the great love that God has shown us. Uh, I just want to pray one last quick prayer. God, thank you again for the love you have shown us in Jesus Christ. It is amazing to think that you would love us like this. So now help us, God, to internalize this love. Just as we have consumed this bread and this juice and it is becoming a part of our bodies even now, would you help us to internalize this love that you have shown us? Would you fill us with your Holy Spirit? Would you change us from the inside out to be a people who can take your amazing love and share it with others? Who can be as gracious to others as you have been to us? Who can do justice for others as you have for us? Thank you, God. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.